John 15, verses 1 through 8. These are the words of Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior, the very Word of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. I was so weak and sick that I did not even, did not even trust myself to walk. I kind of felt dizzy, kind of felt like I would fall down if I walked. But I want you to know that was not the worst of my problems at that time. No, the worst problem had to do with my job, as in I didn't have one. And I just graduated from seminary. Months had gone by. I kind of worked on something, and it, all the promises had been made. It, it was all ready to go. I was graduating, and it all fell apart in one day. And I went back to square one while everybody else was moving on to their first calling, their, their first pastorate, assistant pastorate, RUF director. I sat for months waiting, something I'm not good at. Didn't have any money. In fact, uh, right here in Jackson, Mississippi, I asked a friend of mine if I could live with him for free. Uh, my friend David Baird was a... Um, a youth minister at Altwoods Presbyterian Church, and he said, sure, and they had allowed him to have a, what you might call a house. Uh, it was a dilapidated house. It was the middle of winter by this time. The, the heater didn't work, and neither one of us were really good at keeping house. It was a miserable place to be. He had plenty to do. He'd get up and go do what he needed to do every day, and I just sat in my room and got depressed. And the room itself was very dark wood, paneling, gloomy, cold. And you know, to my surprise, life at my former school went on great without me. The kingdom of God during those eight months that I had no role of leadership whatsoever was amazing without me. But I remember the bottom. I remember it very well because not only was I depressed, I was physically sick, as I mentioned a moment ago, and uh, I was so sick that I, I didn't trust myself walking, and so I literally had to crawl on my hands and my knees from my bedroom to the bathroom to be sick, okay? I just did the hand motion. That's as far as I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so I crawled on my hands and knees three doors down to the bathroom. I was sick. 
I started crawling back to my room, you know, just sit and be depressed some more. And about halfway there, I just kind of stopped. And I, I leaned my back against the wall and I wept as violently as I've ever wept in my life, uncontrollably. And I just cried out to God. And that is when God did something in my life at that very moment, because, and I know this was the Holy Spirit, a verse came flooding into my mind. You know what that verse was? It was the, it was the one I just read you. It was John fifteen five. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And let me tell you something. I learned the definition of nothing at that moment. Uh, I learned that I really wasn't that great after all. And the church really wasn't waiting for me to be so much better. I learned that I was not that capable, at least whatever gifts I had was not truly, truly needed uh, in the church. And God basically struck me down on the floor. And he isolated me to teach me one of the best lessons I've ever learned. Better than that I wasn't capable. And this is it. He's the one I need. He's the one I need. Gifts and abilities are great. People are great. All these things are important, but he is the vine. And God right there and then convinced me that I wasn't going to be effective, wasn't going to be a blessing anyway if it was all just about me. And he took that away. But you know, God showed me something even more important in that moment of pain. He showed me that what I was really longing for at the deepest place was not a job. No, I had some longings that we all have. I longed for love. I longed for significance, for security, and for meaning. And God was showing me through this passage that only in him can those things become mine. A job really isn't designed to deliver the ultimate longing of our hearts. A spouse can never deliver the ultimate longing of our hearts. Children can't deliver these things. Uh, If you're a college student or high school student, a boyfriend or a girlfriend cannot deliver these things. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Silver Chair, there's this great story. It's the story of an English schoolgirl named Jill, and Jill pops into the world of Narnia. And the first thing she notices when she gets there is that she is horribly thirsty. But, good news, there is a very cool, clear, babbling brook right there for her to get a a drink. Only one problem. She looks up and there's a gigantic lion sitting right by the creek. The huge lion, she has never met Aslan. He is the Christ figure. Aslan's wonderful. Aslan gives life. She doesn't know all this. He's just a huge lion. And the lion suddenly says to her, if you are thirsty, you may drink. I want to read Lewis's words. For a second, she stared here and there, wondering who had spoken. Then the voice said again, if you are thirsty, come and drink. And she remembered what her friend had said about animals talking in that other world and realized that it was the lion speaking 
Anyway, she had seen its lips move this time, and the voice was not like a man's voice. It was deeper. It was wilder. It was stronger. It was sort of heavy. It was a golden voice. It did not make her any less frightened than she had been before. It made her frightened in a rather different way. Are you not thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I... Could, could I, would you mind going away while I do so, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And Jill gazed at its motionless bulk and she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. And yet the delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will, will, you, will you not, will you promise not to do anything to me? If I come and drink, said Jill, I make no promises, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty by now that without noticing it, she had come another step closer. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step closer. I suppose I will have to go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and me in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, we can, you can do nothing. There is no other stream. One of the things that God, through his son, in John 15, is trying to teach us is that he really is the one and only. And we dip our buckets in other streams. We dip our buckets in the stream of our our careers and our work and relationships and marriage and things and new things and old things and everything in between. But there is no other stream that can give forgiveness, love that never goes away, life that is eternal, presence of God Almighty that is accepting forever, nearness Sonship, daughtership, everything, Holy Spirit, everything we've needed and we don't even know yet how much of it we need and we don't even know yet how to ask for it. And God was trying to teach me this truth, sitting there sick and weak on the floor. I'm trying to give you something more important than a job, Joseph. I'm trying to give you something more important than anything else. And this morning, what I want to do is I want us to look at how Jesus wants to give us what we really need and how he wants to lead us to be what he wants us to be. He wants to give us what we need and lead us to become what he wants us to be. So it comes down to two pictures, very simple, two pictures in the text. They rise right up out of the text. And I will tell you right now that we are very tuned into the one picture and we all but forget the other. The pictures are the vine and the vine dresser. So let me begin with, with Jesus' statement, I am the vine. Really, he says, I am the true vine. In fact, a lot of scholars think that what Jesus was saying was he, was he was talking about himself in relation to the emblem of the nation of Israel. Right there on the gates of the temple was this huge bronze, artistically done picture of the vine, which was, which was Israel. This is, this is God's people who, who have known God. This is where our hope is. This is the covenant. This is the generations. This is where it is. And you know what Jesus says? No, that vine failed. 
I am the true vine who cannot fail. And nowhere else can we have access to all we need other than that vine. There is no other stream. It is a great comfort to know that we are branches hooked into the true vine. You know, we're kind of grafted in to this vine. You know, you've seen branches when you pull them off of a tree, not plants with roots, but branches. What happens when you take a branch out of the, out of the uh, trunk? There's no more, no more nutrients. There's no more life. We are branches hooked into the vine. Verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what the vine is? The, The vine is all that we are not, but we get to have through Jesus. The vine represents all that we need or will ever need. And the great thing about the vine is the vine is not just some blessing we receive once upon a time when we ask Jesus into our hearts. No, the vine is a daily continuing blessing of what God wants to give us, his very self, because the vine is a person. The vine is a relationship. It is dynamic. It is is filled with life, the life that is truly life. I love the way Alfred Bourne puts it. It is, he says, a union of friendship, love, and dependence. It is a union of weakness, that's us, with strength, of imperfection with perfection, of a dying nature with a living Savior. It is a union of a lost sinner with an unchanging friend and redeemer. The vine is the way, the truth and the life. And there is no real life outside of the true vine. There is nothing with God outside of the vine. And you gotta, you gotta get this because, you know, in our modern culture, we're, we're very individualistic. You know, we, we, we click mouse click. We do what we want to do. We remote control. We, we order. It comes. It, pizza drives up. You know, we, we kind of make a whole lot of decisions. Some people call it atomistic man, like we're all these little separate atoms. Well, if that were the case, then what Jesus, he would not have called us branches. We would have, we would have been little plants with our own little roots and, and our own little roots. Can, we can find our own nutrients and we can make decisions and we can get what we want. That's not what Jesus said. We, we get it out of your head that, that in this passage, really what you are is a little plant. You're not a little plant. You're a branch. You're a branch, and you don't have any roots. And God, because of his grace, comes to us through Jesus, and, and he connects us into this life that is truly life. You do understand we get more than forgiveness with Jesus. We get more than something cleared away. We get new life, eternal life that starts now, that is full. This is what God is trying to give us. It's really all or nothing. Y'all do know that, about, know, know that about Christianity, right? It's either like abundant life or feudal life. It's either life or death. It's either heaven or hell. There's nothing about Christianity, finally, and about Jesus Christ that's not all or nothing. And this passage is about all or nothing as well, and you'll see that in a moment. So how do you abide in the vine? Could I just quickly give us some abiding lessons? Well, first of all, you need to understand who Jesus is. You need to understand the cross. Because 
we couldn't make it to God who is holy. So God left heaven. God the Son left heaven. He came down here. He took flesh. And in our flesh, in our place, he was crucified for us. The sin that keeps us from God that we, can't, we simply cannot erase because we are sinners is dealt with once and for all through the Son of God. But again, it's not just the removing of something. It is a brand new life on the basis of the righteousness that God's given us, that he has cleared this. God's doing this, y'all, because he wants us. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And the first thing you've got to do is you need to understand the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is God's already done it all. And when you put your trust for your relationship with God and for eternal life in Christ and what he's done rather than yourself, then you get connected into the vine. That's the first thing you've got to understand is the cross. But the second thing is you need to realize that his grace is there for you. You need to realize that even once you're a Christian, you know, you don't have to do 50 push-ups every day for God to love you. When Jesus said it's finished, what he really meant was it's finished. And Jesus doesn't give us 50% love. He gives us 100% love, 100% adoption, 100% acceptance, 100% Holy Spirit because of what his son uh, has done for us. And uh, the other thing is, is that um, you can do something with Jesus that you can't do with anybody else. You might can do it a little bit with people that love you, but even the people that love you are going to let you down. They're going to hurt you. When was the last time your soul relaxed? That's hard to come by. Let me tell you, with Jesus, your soul can relax. You can trust in his love. You can not only trust in his love, you can trust in his providence and his leadership in your life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're about to go through. But I'll tell you something. If you are in the vine, he will be sufficient for you. And his lo- you will be able to count on his love. And nothing will befall you except that which is allowed by him. And that which is allowed, he will give all that's necessary in the vine to be able to live in the midst of it, through it, and grow through it. Because he is the one. And then thirdly, you got to seek out the means of growth that God has given you. See, this isn't just a matter of, of knowing something about Jesus. This is really pursuing Jesus in what are called the means of grace. And the means of grace traditionally are his word, prayer, and the sacraments. Hey, this is good news. We don't have to do this alone. We actually have one another. And we can teach one another, encourage one another. In the body of Christ, God has given us help in the vine. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the question raised by the vine is simply this. Are you dependent? Do you see your need? That's the vine. Okay, let's get to the second one. This is the one we forget. The vine dresser. I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my father is the vine dresser. Some versions call him the gardener. Some call him the vine keeper. You know, you've you've seen people gardening and and dealing with it. What's really great about this is that God the Father is very hands-on with your life and my life. He actually cares. Just like you work with your plants, just like you really put your hands on it, that's what God is doing because he loves us. I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. And he basically says there's two things the vine dresser does in our life. First of all, he says he cuts, he prunes, 
And secondly, is he directs the vine. Now, this cutting has a bad cutting and a good cutting. The bad cutting is verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, and it withers and the branches are gathered and they are thrown to the fire and they are burned. It's ta- it is talking about hell there. This, this is about people who have a profession of faith. They are cultural Christians. They are not connected to the vine. And they're just like those branches that every spring that you strip off of those, your, the, your trees and your plants because they're going to steal nutrients. They don't need to be there. You strip them off and you put them out on the street to be picked up by the trash people. That's exactly what he's saying is that if we don't abide in the vine, the, 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 the gardener, the vine dresser strips us away. And we're hauled away, and the trash is burned. But there's also kind of not just this stripping off, but, but this cutting back. It's called pruning. Are y'all, some of y'all gardeners, you know about this. And in, in probably the greatest example are crepe myrtles around here. Now, I know there's two theories on crepe myrtles, and I am a firm believer in the pull, prune the little branches off the crepe myrtles and let it be this great tree. Now there are some of you that are sinful and you are guilty of what they call, yeah, you are guilty of what they call crepe murder. And you like, you cut it back to these little knuckles every year. You need to repent and not be guilty of crepe murder ever again. <laughs> but why do you strip away those? Well, you strip away because you want that tree to grow in the right direction. It's the same reason on a fruit tree. You get rid of all these things so that there's more nutrients for the fruit. Uh, We read this, that every branch that does bear fruit, uh, he prunes that it may be even more fruitful. We need the vine dresser in our lives. We need the vine, the grace of God that's always there every day for us, but we need the vine dresser. And you know, the vine dresser loves you so much. I mean, he is going to prune you, hack you, bug spray you, whatever it takes for you to grow because he loves you. But you know, the other thing these vine dressers do is they, uh, they direct the vine Uh, John Norton and I just were on a trip to Africa, and we saw a lot of uh, vineyards. And it's amazing how all those vineyards just so neatly are wrapped around these poles and and trellises. Well, you know why. That's not wild. That's the vine dresser. There's pressure. There's good pressure, and and it's a direction guiding the vine, maybe around a pole, maybe up a wall, maybe through a trellis. The hands of the gardener not only prune us but direct us. The question might be like this. You know, if you're going through something difficult and Jesus is the vine, maybe God is pruning you a little bit. You know, can you say that's okay? Can you, can you go with God's will? Can you let God direct you even through some difficulty, even through some disappointment while you trust in him, while you're connecting the vine? Let the vine dresser take you somewhere. Don't, don't always be pushing back. See where he wants to go. And you know, a lot of times that has to do even with where we go. I mean, there are, there are folks in here, probably I'm one of them, that I could use a, a big dose of compassion probably right now for my neighbors. And I, and I, and I think the, the vine dresser might just kind of tra- trail me down the neighborhood, you know, to, to some people that need to hear about Jesus the vine. Or, or maybe at work, 
you know, or maybe in the classroom. And, and then there, there are people, I'm looking at Darlene Quarterman right here, they literally cross oceans and live in foreign places because the vine dresser was directing them. I love, I love this really poetic quote by F.B. Meyer. He says, it's just like Jesus, never following his own way, always bound to the imperative must of the Father's will. You know, Jesus always said this. I'm just doing what the Father shows me. I'm doing the will of the Father. I'm doing what the, the Father says. Remember, if there's any way, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Never following his own way, always bound to the imperative must of the Father's will. Listen to this. Yielded Jesus was even to the cross. And so it has been with his followers. Not strong to stand alone, but always yielded to the Father's will. He leads them wherever he wants, even to a cross, even to persecution, even to suffering, if we'll let him. He goes on to say this. It's so beautiful. Yield yourself into those loving hands, the vine dresser. They may lead you far from your original purpose, like a vine dresser twisting you along a strange trellis, trailing you over a wall in order to drop your cluster of grapes into the hands of strangers. Isn't that beautiful? Let him have his way with you. This is necessary for the accomplishment of his purposes. So the question with the vine is, are you dependent? Do you live by grace through faith every day? The question with the vine dresser is simply this, are you yielded? Do you want to be shaped and molded by God, having all you need to be what he wants you to become? When I was in Malawi last week, I was teaching undergraduates and graduate students um, I was kind of taken aback by something I saw that I'd like to, to tell you about in closing today. It had to do with God's grace and it had to do with the kingdom of God. And so this very passage I taught in chapel. I'm the vine, you're the branches. It's all about grace. It's all about dependency. Well, you need to understand Malawi was just named declared the poorest country in the entire world recently. And so you might imagine that people who have nothing, very little security, very little uh, of anything, that to hear that God will provide all you need, that God will, will give you the security, he will give you everything you need, and this is all of grace, and there is love that will never be retracted. You can trust in Christ. You can imagine what music to their ears this was, and they just resonated with the vine. But they resonated even more with the vine dresser. I mean, you, you would have thought, I mean, when I got to this part right here, you would have, they, I mean, I thought maybe they were going to start standing up and like yelling. This is so different than where our more American individual have a lot, 
don't need a lot kind of hearts go. Vine and vine dresser, we are all about, and we should be, all about the vine, and we almost forget about yielding our life to God who is the vine dresser. Not them. No, they're standing up in the middle of class and after chapel giving what are darn near speeches about their willing to sacrifice their eagerness to do ministry to even change that country. Now, this was the top one-third of 1% educated people in that entire country. Top, the top third of 1%. So the people I was dealing with, and there were hundreds of people in different settings, this was the intelligentsia. These were the more wealthy people in that country, and they had nothing. And yet what I heard over and over was their deep desire for God to use them. It was incredible. Let me tell you something. I was shocked. I was schooled by the Africans. Coming back here, I tell you right now, I needed the Africans more than they needed me. Because God's grace to me is very important and God's grace through me needs to be important. And in this passage, it's all about the vine first. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Messiah. It is always first God's grace to us and the sufficiency of the gospel, the sufficiency of Christ in our lives. But you know, there's a flow in this passage, isn't it? There's a flow from grace to ministry, from nutrients through Jesus and growth to bearing fruit, from the vine to the vine dresser. And I'll be honest with y'all, I was chastened by them. Verse 4, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. And they emphasize this word, this verse, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and thereby prove to be my disciples. So let me ask a, us a few questions to consider. Are we convinced that what we really long for can only be found in the Son of God who, who is the only intermediary between God and man through his flesh into a relationship with God himself through Jesus? Are we convinced that there are no other streams? Secondly is, are we up for abiding, living with a focus on that relationship, that provision, that worship with Christ through his grace? And then, are we interested in ye being yielded to the pruning of the Father that we might bear fruit? Are we interested in grace through us as well as grace to us. You know, let me just say, as we move to a new time, about to go to a new sanctuary, that's just more space. It's great. You're going to love it. But it's just more space. You know, the whole purpose was just for us to be us. But I'm calling for us to not just be us. I'm calling for us to be 
this kind of us and open our hearts to the vine and the vine dresser. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the vine. We have nothing outside of you, Jesus. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross, and you see it, God's holy, you can't make yourself holy, you can't do it. You want to come to the Lord, you want to be forgiven, then pray with me, Lord, I see it. I now understand why Jesus died on the cross, and I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity, and everything that I have called religion, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me. And it is finished, it is complete. Thank you that even now I'm forgiven. Thank you that even now you've given me a new life. I am connected into the vine. Lord, there are many of us who've known you for years. And God, would you give us the courage, each one of us, to admit to you in prayer right now that we look for and drink from other streams. Lord, would you show us the beauty of your grace yet again? Would you show us that life with God in our very souls is truly what this life is about? Would you lead us through repentance back to the cool, clear headwaters of grace and cause us to drink? And Lord, would you give us a heart not only to live in your grace, but for your grace to work through us, that people by the hundreds would eat and live even because of these folks here. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.